Today's reading is taken from 1 Peter, uh, chapter 2, verses 21 to 25, Uh, and then 3, verse 10. Uh, Verse 21, to this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we may die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls." Chapter 3, Wives and Husbands. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that, if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to make themselves beautiful. They were submissive to their husbands, like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him her master. You are her daughters if you do what is right and do not give way to fear. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives, and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life, so that nothing will hinder your prayers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Sorry for all the noise. Great. Well, that's a popular passage, isn't it? You hear all these things in the 21st century. uh, Wives submitting to husbands. uh, No outward beauty. uh, They should be quiet. Uh, They should call their husbands lord or master and obey them. And they are the weaker partner. Uh, You hear this passage, and I guess most of you are are sitting up. Now, what is is this all about? Is this really what the Bible says? Is this really what... uh, Christians should do, it's just not very 21st century. Now many of you are listening, but that's not what this passage is about. It's not the heartbeat of this passage. And there will be things that are hard to do. But uh, it's a bigger question. And we're going to pray and make sure that we listen to what God has to say to us. Why don't we pray together? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it shows us Jesus. And when it calls us to follow him, would we be willing to do that? Please speak to us now, in Jesus' name. Amen. And the question that's being asked is, what would you do to save someone you love? What would you do to save someone you love? Because that is what Peter is asking. I mean, humans do amazingly brave things for those they love. You have your child and they fall into the water and the parent jumps in after them to get them out. 
Of course, you love your child. You want to save them. Uh, Reese and Katura, I'm sure they would do anything they could to save Micah. It just they can't do much more than pray. But I know if they could donate a kidney, I'm sure they would do that. Um, amazing movies always about people saving each other. Um, we know Anna and Elsa, and Anna sacrificed her life to save Elsa, and we think that's beautiful. But what would you do to save someone you love? Because that is what this passage is about. Let me read three verses one and two again. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And this is about the wife of a husband who does not believe the word, who is not a Christian. And they, they were married, and then she became a Christian, and now, yeah, their marriage is, is mixed. And the problem is, yeah, if a husband doesn't want to believe, doesn't want to hear about Jesus, uh, that means they have yeah, no relationship with God, no forgiveness, no eternal life. And I think for many wives, that is what hurts, isn't it? And Peter says, well, that they may be won over without words. If they don't want to listen, well, they can't help but see your reverent and pure conduct. And this is about, okay, you want to save your husband. How can you do that? Now, I know for some of you here, this is a very personal reality. This describes your marriage. Uh, it's a source of tension and conflict often. But yeah, this concern for your spouse's future. And it's quite common. I, I don't know the statistics here, but on average, I think there's about three times as many women who are Christians as men. Which means there will be a lot of single women, a lot of women yeah, in, in mixed marriages. Even if all the men would be married to Christians, even though the reverse can also happen. So yeah, this passage shows that it's a real thing. And God cares about that and wants to help you in that. Uh, Maybe, just to say, maybe you're visiting today and you are that spouse, right? You you are not a Christian, but your wife, maybe your husband is. And you feel a bit like, oh, this is awkward. You're talking about me and this is not me. My marriage is not like that. Uh, Yeah, just to say, I think all marriages are different, but they have things in common. And I'm sure some of the things I'll say will be true, even if you don't know them. And, um, yeah, or they may become true later. But the rest of us, you may think, okay, this is not about me. I'm I'm not even married, or I have a a Christian uh, spouse. Uh, This is not for me. No, this is for all of us. Uh, What Peter says here, yes, it's focused on someone who is married to someone who is not a Christian. But it's the same things that we should do for different reasons, in different ways, in all marriages. But also it's part of a much larger section. Uh, The past few weeks we are in this this big section of 1 Peter about how to live in this world. Uh, Let me read 2 verse 12 again. How does this whole section start? Live such good lives among the pagans. Uh, Sorry, 2 verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds 
and glorify God on the day he visits us. It's about living here in the world in such a way that people will, will see it and hopefully be saved. That's what we want. That's why we're here in this world. And these wives are just a great example. Most of us, yeah, we, we work among people who don't believe. Maybe we live in an apartment and in the other flats. Yeah, you hardly see them, but there are people who don't believe. Some of us are married to one. And they are a great example to us. So this is not a section about the perfect marriage. It's about witnessing to those who do not believe. But what then does it say to these wives? Well, the big call, you've heard it, uh, wives who submit. It's about submission. And it's in verse 1, submit to your husbands. And verse 5, they submitted themselves to their own husbands. Submission. And it says, wives, in the same way. Because we've had a lot about submission last week as well, if you were there. At 2 verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Uh, Verse 18, slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters. Submission is, is the big thing for Peter. The big thing that is really distinctive good lives that will win people over. So now, yeah, wives, submit to your husbands. You want to win your husband over? Submit to him. But I guess many of us, hopefully you got it last week, but we wonder why is this so distinctive? Maybe you think, well, this is just normal. All wives submit to their husbands. Well, to see how distinctive it is, actually, let's compare it to submitting to someone who is a Christian, a Christian husband. Because the Bible says it in all cases. You go to Ephesians 5, the great passage on marriage. And there it says, yeah, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. But it's for a very different reason. Because there you submit as to the Lord. Now, submission to Jesus, is that a good thing? I guess most of us say, yeah, it's, it's great to submit to Jesus. It's great to be a Christian. Right? Submission is not bad in itself. It depends on who you submit to. Eh, Jesus, I mean, he, he doesn't take advantage of you. He, he loves you. He wants the best for you. Uh, he leads you to become more holy. Eh, that's what it says later. Eh, Christ loved the church, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the words, and to present her to himself as a radiant church. And yeah, you submit to that, and it's good. Submission is, is good for the person who submits with Jesus. Hey, if you struggle with this, wife submitting to husbands, um, with Jesus, it's good for you. And that is what the husband should do. The husband is not for his benefit. He is trying to help you. He's trying to serve you, to make you holy, uh, to help you grow spiritually. And you submit to that. You let him. And it seems a bit weird How can submitting to someone be good for me? I'll give a very silly example, but I think it illustrates it perfectly. Um, Yeah, it's different from submission in Christian marriage. The hairdresser. Most of us go to the hairdresser and we submit, right? uh, For that moment, you submit to the hairdresser. They say, sit down, you sit down. Hold your head like this, and you do it. Uh, Hold your head like that, and you do it. You submit, right? And you don't mind. 
Why don't you, why don't you mind? Why don't I hear anyone say, eh, can you hold your head? How dare you tell me what to do? <laughs> I'm not inferior. No, it's just, it's just, it's fine. Why? Because they're doing something for you and you let them. Right? It's for your benefit. It's good for you to submit because you end up with a good haircut. Well, it's the same with, ideally, with a Christian marriage. And the husband seeks, loves you and seeks your spiritual growth and you let him do that. That is the ideal. However, how about someone who is not a Christian? Then suddenly it changes, isn't it? Because this person, well, it doesn't seek to lead you in, in God's way, doesn't seek to help you become a, a better Christian, doesn't seek to help you uh, seek your spiritual growth. Why would you submit? Especially, look, you're a Christian. You've got a new husband, a much better one, right? You belong to Jesus. Uh, he's the number one in your life, the love of your life. As we saw last week, you're free. And that is exactly why submission is so distinctive, right? Because it's will, you do it willingly. You don't need to. In some ways, you don't want to, but you still do it. That says something, right? That says how much you value your husband. That says how much you love him. It shows your commitment. When you say, yes, I'm a Christian now, some things have changed, completely changed, but I still love you. And even though I don't, <laughs> in some ways I don't want to, even though in some ways I don't need to, I will still submit. I will still follow you out of love can you see that that is very distinctive that that speaks that that is something that should be noticed and just like with the authorities and with unjust masters submitting to someone who doesn't submit to God is very distinctive very unusual and that may win them over and, and that is something that runs through the whole passage it's something that's distinctive being very different from what the world would do. And we get it in verses 3 and 4 with this, uh, this focus on inner beauty. Uh, it says, uh, verse 3, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And you can see the contrast between outward adornment and inner beauty. Outward jewelry, clothes. Uh, if you go to Newtown Plaza, you, you can see all that. And Peter says, no, your inner beauty, your character, the unfading, lasting beauty. And that is much more precious. That is like a, a real gem, a real diamond in God's sight. And towards your husband. You want to win him over, it's your character that will do it, not, the, not, not outward beauty. It doesn't mean you shouldn't wear any of those things. It's about attitude. What do you think makes you beautiful? And God says, no, it's, it's your character. And then he f focuses, he says, look, a gentle and quiet spirit. I guess it's misunderstood often. It's, does it mean women should be silent? No, it's a quiet spirit. It's about how calm you are. 
I mean, these are things that for all Christians hold. I mean, gentle or meek. It's a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? As Peter just read, Jesus described himself, look, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. Jesus described himself as gentle, just like here. Paul says to, to all Christians, live a, live a quiet life. And that is linked to this submission, because verse 5 goes back, and this is the way the holy women of the past who put their hope in God used to adorn themselves. They submitted. Because meekness is linked to that, if you think about it. Right? What is it to be meek? You're not overbearing. You're not aggressive, insisting on your own way. You're unassuming. It's not about me. You're calm and patient and give way to others. That is exactly what submission looks like. And as Peter helpfully said, that is not a weak thing. Hey, if you are aggressive and always want your way, that is a sign of weakness and insecurity. It takes strength to say, yeah, that's fine, you can have it your way. Only people who are secure and strong can say, yeah, that's fine. And do you see that? That's why a gentle and quiet spirit, someone who can calmly say, that's fine, it doesn't need to be my way. That is distinctive. That is strength. And what does that look like? I guess, yeah, ultimately it's following the husband's lead when it comes to decisions, giving him the ultimate decision. With regards to your marriage, your family, uh, deferring to them. It's not a kind of mindless obeying where you're just waiting for him to tell you to do something. Marriage is a partnership, and of course it's a loving thing to to help each other do that, to, uh, to, to, to discuss what is a good idea or not. Of course you discuss. You're not a slave. But ultimately you defer. So when you discuss and you can't agree, ultimately say, that's gently and calmly, that's fine. Uh, we'll go your way. Yeah, I, uh, yeah I, I, I trust that. Of course you shouldn't sin. Sin is wrong. God comes first. And you may have to, in a loving way, say no. There are things that he wants that you have to say, sorry, I can't do that. And I don't want to let you do that. But even then, try to find a way forward, be it uh, respectful. Uh, Find a compromise. Like, I don't know, what if he doesn't allow you to come to church on Sunday? Very difficult. Because you want to come to church on Sunday, right? This is the best day of the week. This is what we need. And so, of course, you don't automatically say, yeah, sure. You try to find, okay, why? Uh, Do you want more family time? Well, let's see if we can make it work another way. How can I serve you to make that happen? Uh, Of course, you try to find (laughs) find a compromise. But if you've tried everything and he still says no, I think the right thing would be to say, okay, Uh, you submit. You need to meet with other Christians, but you can come to women in touch and be encouraged there. You can meet with people one-to-one. And to do that with a calm and gentle spirit, with no bitterness, no anger, no anxiety, to just say, yeah, I trust God, I will do that. That will speak. That is a miracle. And, and yeah, sometimes that really works. I don't know if you know this book, The Case for Christ, uh, this journalist. So he was an atheist. And uh, how did he become a Christian? Well, his wife became a Christian. 
And he just thought, oh no, my marriage is ruined. Uh, she's going to turn into some person who just prays the whole night and, uh, yeah, terrible person. Instead, he said, I was pleasantly surprised, even fascinated by the fundamental changes in her character, her integrity, and her personal confidence. Eventually, I wanted to get to the bottom of what was prompting these subtle but significant shifts in my wife's attitudes. And he started to investigate, and he became a Christian. One over, without a word. However, it sounds good. But let's step back to the bigger picture. What does this require? Well, it means suffering, doesn't it? It sounds pretty hard to put yourself under the authority of someone who you, yeah, who has very different values from you. Uh, it, and it is hard to deny yourself, to put someone else first. That's why this follows straight on from the example of Jesus. That's where we started. This passage is not in a vacuum. Just before it, it talks about Jesus suffering, going to the cross and, and, and not retaliating, bearing our sins, suffering. That's the surprising thing. You read Ephesians 5 about a Christian marriage, and it's the husband who suffers like Christ for the good of his wife. Here, it's the wife who suffers for the good of the husband. It's very different. And this is a, a demanding way of suffering. It is a, a, a great call to, okay, to suffer, to submit, to say, okay, I'm going to say no to myself, and you have it your way. It can even be scary. The end of verse 6 says, hey, you are her daughter's, if you do what is right and do not give way to fear, if you're not afraid. Because, you know, Peter says a lot about people who are not Christians, who are hostile and speak evil of you. And that can be in your marriage. And I, I know there are some husbands who are just really aggressive and hostile to their wife's faith. It's something to be afraid of. And, and, and just to say, that, that doesn't sound very attractive... So don't marry someone outside your faith. And, I mean, I think this is wives who became a Christian after marriage. You're married, and then they became a Christian. But should you willingly marry who, someone who is not a Christian? Well, the Bible says no. The Bible says that's, uh, it's wrong. It's not a good idea. Uh, like uh, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 39. Widows, well, she's free to marry anyone she wishes but he must belong to the Lord. But this passage doesn't say explicitly don't do it, but suffering, fear, is that what you want for your marriage? I hope you don't, right? If you have the choice. Many women will tell you, if you're considering this, many women will tell you it's not a good idea. It's very hard, very lonely to live with someone who has completely different values from you, who believes completely opposite things. And maybe you think now, oh, it's okay. When you're dating, it's fine, because you still have pretty separate lives. When you get married, that's when the differences become so much more apparent. And then when you have kids and extra pressure, don't do it. And if you're here as someone who is not a Christian, 
again, it's, for you, it's also not great. Uh, having something so fundamental not the same in your marriage. It's a hard thing for me to say, but it's really not a good idea. So do talk to me afterwards about this if you want to. But the thing is, here, it almost it can't be changed, right? For some people, they are in a marriage with this difficulty. And Peter says, yeah, he calls on you to suffer. And the question is, are you willing? Are you willing to suffer? And for that, yeah, we need to put our, our hope in God, isn't it? Why were, was Sarah willing to do this? Why was willing to go along with Abraham and go to Egypt and say he's his sister and those kind of... I mean, it wasn't always easy for Sarah to follow Abraham. Well, it says in verse 5, the holy women of the past who put their hope in God. And she trusted God. That's what Jesus did. He was willing to suffer. He said, yes, I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to suffer because I, I love these people. I want to save them. But I do that because I have hope. He, well, he trusted his father. And verse 23, 2 verse 23, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And, and we, we can trust God. We can have our hope in him. Yeah? Uh, we have a great inheritance waiting for us. That's guarded. That is certain. That is full of endless joy. We can suffer now. And he's saying, yeah, you want, this is someone you want to say, see saved. It costs. It's hard. But, but you can do it because you've got a great hope in God. Great. Now that is the wives. Just very shortly, because Peter spends only one verse on it, um, he also talks to husbands, which is unusual. And in uh, verse 7, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. It's unusual because he didn't address masters. He didn't address the emperor. He wasn't in the church, I guess. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But I think it's the same kind of thing. Um, it's still about living good, distinctive lives that are different from the world, that speak of Jesus. Which, in this case, um, it may, seems to be that they have Christian wives, yeah, because you treat them... Uh, you treat them with respect as heirs with you. They are heirs with you. At the time, usually the wife would follow the husband. Husband becomes a Christian. Wife just goes along. That's why it made, was so different, for, difficult for the wives. Now, what sounds dif difficult here, I guess, is this language of the weaker partner. And people think, does he think women are weak or inferior? Now, he thinks they're absolutely equal, Right? They're heirs with you. You inherit together. I mean, back then, usually the son would inherit, not the daughter. But here you're both heirs. When it comes to who you are, a child of God, absolutely equal. I think it's just physical weakness. Women are physically weaker than men. I don't think that is uh, something strange to say. Look at the Olympics. There's a separate men's races and women's races. Why? I guess men and women are different in some way. 
or if you have a sad statistic like assault and rape and domestic violence, it's almost always the women who is the victim. Why is that? Well, because they are weaker and men are stronger. And that's a very sad reality. And, and just to say this passage doesn't in any way condone that and say, well, put up with it. If your husband sins like that against you, don't let him. Talk to someone. Seek help. That's not right. That's not just, you know, grin and bear it. But that's how the world treats weakness, isn't it? Someone is weak, well, you abuse them. You take advantage of them. Minorities. It's the weak child that gets bullied in the playground. That's the world. And then Peter says, no, you husband should be different. First of all, be considerate. Your wife is different from you. Well, be considerate. Think about her. Speaking as a man, that's really difficult. I just assume everyone thinks like me. And EJ doesn't think like me. She wants different things. She needs different things. She thinks differently. She feels differently. And for me to be distinctive, to be a Christian, to be like Jesus, is to, to recognize that and act on it. And treat them with respect, even with honor, literally. Uh, you honor the, uh, the woman because she's different from you. You treat her as special. I mean, she's at a disadvantage in some ways. Treat her as special. Again, it's different from the world. Yeah? And that is what uh, Peter wants. And finally, otherwise God is not going to listen to you so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Uh, the wife is, is God's daughter, and he cares about her. And if you treat her badly, uh, he's not going to listen to you at all. But, yeah, this is, I mean, important things, and it's good to talk about this if you're married. Uh, how can we be distinctive in our marriage? But where I want to finish is not in a way with marriage. Because this passage, as I said, it's part of a larger section. Most of us probably think, I'm glad that's not me. Right? You probably think, okay, wow, that sounds hard, being married to someone who is not a Christian. I will pray for these wives. I'll seek to support them. But I'm glad it's not me. The thing is, these wives are an example. I remember this big passage starts with all of us, all of you, live such good lives among the pagans. And 3 verse 8 goes again, finally all of you. So he wants everyone to listen in. And in the center of this big passage to all of you is Jesus' example. And Peter wants all of us to think, how can I reach others? And even if that involves suffering. Because winning people over is demanding. Uh, It's maybe not in the same way as submission. But think about it. You want to reach your colleagues. That's that's demanding, isn't it? It costs time, which we don't have here in Hong Kong. Uh, It's difficult because, you know, you have so little in common. You prefer to spend time with Christian friends. They prefer time to spend time with non-Christian friends. They think you're boring. It's very hard to build a relationship. And then you need to live a good life, and you expose yourself to mocking and rejection winning people over is demanding but as with these wives 
Peter is asking, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to suffer? Are you willing to make sacrifices to reach others, to live good lives well, among those who don't believe? And Peter says, be like these wives. Sacrifice yourself to save others because no one else will save them. So I hope that is what we'll be talking about after the service. I mean, we need to remember how great the cross is, which is why we're going to have communion. But let's pray that we would be following Jesus, and doing what is costly to save others. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, how he suffered for us. I pray that we would follow him. pray it especially for wives uh, in, in mixed marriages, that they'd be willing to, uh, yeah, to do what is costly uh, for the, out of love for, uh, yeah, for their husbands. But for all of us, Lord, would we be willing to follow Jesus and likewise make sacrifices. In Jesus' name, amen.